What's going on, ladies and gents? Robert Sykes, KetoSavage.com. But that's not all we got here. We got the Ketogenic Athlete Podcast in the building. Group Combined Effort. Represent. Represent. We got Danny Vega. What's up? Brian Williamson. That's me. And just to set the stage of this podcast, we're out in the middle of nowhere at my family farm. 3,000 acres in the middle of no man's land. We got a cabin. We got a river right outside the window. We got a fire. It was going, but it's not going now. <laughs> it's not going. We got a fire. We got a potential fire. We got a potential fire. I just hold on. I I want to I want to interject one thing. This is not no man's land. This is two man's land and me. This is because oh, there's two, two man's, man's land here. And then there's me. Says then the guy you. who killed two squirrels for us yesterday. Hey, you know what? They yes. were looking at me sideways. I didn't like it. They gotta go. That's just the way. Yeah, you, we, can't, you can't let that kind of thing go because you got a reputation mm. to uphold. That's yeah, right. Yeah, that's true. And that's also what we ate. We had like a stipulation when we came out here. We're, we've been out here since Thursday. It's like a four-day trip. We couldn't eat anything. Unless something we kill like, something. Something I would like to point out is like I was not part of this stipulation. Like it was not. I was not. He abided by it though. I, I did. He did. did. I abided. I abode by it, but. I didn't agree to it, so I'm just saying, like it was. He was the first person to put food on the table. Yeah, Two he squirrels. was. No, that's not true. Yeah, you were the squirrels. Yeah, Danny killed a whole bunch of wasps. Yeah, I killed mm. lots of but wasps, but they didn't have a lot of meat on them, so we couldn't really cook them. <laughs> yeah, and then yesterday I killed a deer. We ate that last night. Oh, that was so good, man. It was good. It was and really then good. tonight, Danny's gonna kill a deer. Yes, that's that's what's gonna happen tonight. Yes, sure. but I won't be here because I have to leave early. Because some of us have jobs. <laughs> yeah. So, what is the the topic of this? What is the theme of this podcast? Do we have so, a theme? Themeless. Like, this is what we've been trying to figure out all day. Is like, what are we going to talk about? And the truth is, we have no idea. Um, this is going to be the ramble episode. It's going to be a ramble cast for sure. Um, but we just wanted to talk about what we've been, you know. Well, so one of the things that happens when you go, when you have like a, a guys' weekend hunting out in nature, like you start thinking of things. Yeah. Um, mostly, how you could like. Um, disappear forever and there's like, been a lot of talk of that yeah and um, so we're just like we're just gonna share our thoughts on things that have been popping into our heads as we're sitting in a blind um, freezing our our blinds off um, <laughs> it's not been that cold but I'm just saying yeah it's been surprisingly pretty pretty warm actually. yesterday yeah. was ridiculously warm yeah, yeah it was I, like sweating warm it was I mean I was I was I, I was glistening I uh, and I don't normally do that I'm blown away seriously by all the stuff you have here, like all the nature you have here. Brian saw a white horse. Yeah. Okay, so this, this is a mystery horse. I, I'm not familiar right, with this so horse. So this morning I'm sitting in uh, in a, uh, a tree stand, and I look out on the horizon, and I see this, this thing moving. And I pull up my rifle scope, and I look, and I see like a tail flapping. And I'm like, okay, it's either a cow or something. And it turns in the profile, it's a horse. So I texted Robert, like, hey, do you have a white horse on your property? And he didn't get the text because there's no signal out here because it's nature. Um, Which is awesome. That's yeah. another benefit. Nature is the benefit. worst cell phone provider ever, by the way, <laughs> in case you're wondering. So we get back to, to the cabin after we're, we're done um, staring at grass for a couple of hours. And I said, hey, do you have a white horse? He's like, no. So apparently... Either I was hallucinating to the point where I took a picture of it. I mean, you can't really see a horse horse, but you can see there's the something white, white there that if you go out there now, it doesn't, it's not there. Um, or it's an elaborate hoax that, that I'm just trying to pull off on these two guys, one of the two. But, <laughs> or a unicorn. 
This is what I'm saying. Like it to me, it seems like it was a unicorn. I mean, it's pretty obvious. This, this place is magical. It is magical. It really is magical, man. Dude, you don't understand. Like when I first got here, like I knew it was going to be, you know, a ranch or you know, farm, whatever. Right back here is that's a river. That's yeah. a, like yeah. not like a dry creek bed. It's a river, like a raging river. Like we've killed two people in that river <laughs> this weekend. I wasn't here for that. <laughs> They were vagrants. This is news to me. <laughs> they were vagrants. They, they, the signs say don't trespass. So you know, you take your risks. That's right. That's you know right. what we, you know what we can start with because me being the one that's never done any of this, realizing the importance of getting out in nature. Like I grew up, yeah, you know, yeah. in Miami, and then if I did go out in nature, I went to the ocean or I even fished on lakes. But being out here in the middle of nowhere. And actually hunting, I wish I could have said by this point that I killed something already, but at least I helped you um, process that first deer, mm-hmm. and that was awesome because I've been wanting to do that for a long time. Yeah, Danny was really excited about cutting Skin the deer. Stuff. Yeah. So yeah, that's why like Robert in his you know country boy wisdom, it's why they call it hunting, not killing. You know, because mm-hmm. you don't know that you're going to see anything. So yeah, it's it's like gambling, only you know the payoff is more bloody. Than that's right. Than not, but we still have another evening hunt. Yeah. So I've got faith in you. I've got faith in you, Danny. What about shooting the guns? It's pretty new to you too. Yeah, I've only so I have two guns. One of them I got recently, and I haven't even shot it. My shotgun, and I have my nine millimeter, and I've only shot it twice. So. So you've shot more guns in two days than you've shot your entire life. Absolutely. Yeah, and I feel like <laughs> all of these things are things that either a man inherently wants. Or at least if he doesn't inherently want to do these things, he he needs to do them, you know? And I, I feel like it's something that yeah. more people should should try to do and, and get out because you, you learn so much. Like this weekend for me has been mind blowing. Like there are so I was telling I was telling these guys that I'm I'm reading a book now. It's called Stranger in the Woods and it's about um, the guy's name is Chris Chris Knight. And it's from he lived in Maine and he was uh, he was a hermit for 27 years in this small rural Maine community, and he basically was a was a burglar. He he broke into houses like 40 times a year to steal whatever he needed for food. Um, but one of the things that is like the most impressive is for 27 years he literally saw uh, he literally interacted with one person one time, and all he said was hi. That was the for 27 years is the only thing he ever said to another human being. And for that interior period, that period of time, he never had physical contact with another human being either. So it's like the most extreme example of isolation that that we know of, right? That is not self-imposed isolation, rather. Yeah. And one of the things that this book is talking about is the benefits. So there's a double-edged sword, the, but the benefits of of solitude, and um, because our modern society is such that. We're constantly inundated with extrasensory perceptions, you know, sight, sound, smells. Your brain can't choose to ignore those things. It has to process it. Yeah. Now, it can process it as noise and not pay attention to it. But it has to then, but it still has to spend energy processing it. And one of the things I found interesting is most studies show that something as simple as spending 15 minutes in silence, not necessarily meditation, but in silence per day can can uh, do tremendous amount of benefits for your cognitive health. Um, so coming out in a place like this, 
where you can literally sit in a blind and just hear nothing but the wind rustling through the through the leaves, you know, leaves falling. It's a symphony. It's a, like like it, it, in the morning yesterday, mm-hmm. Rob or, or the day before yesterday. Yeah, when Robert and I were together in the tree, which is an awesome tree, is where Robert's gonna get married. Not you, to Danny, like Danny and Robert sitting in the tree. That like was that. a different discussion entirely. That was an awkward discussion. We got it worked out. Yeah. So, like, you know, we heard, because there's lots of times when we're, we're just quiet, and when you hear the wildlife when the sun is down, and then the wildlife starts to change, and you start to hear different sounds when the sun comes up. And how would you ever be even able to hear any of that if you weren't out in nature right. quiet? You yeah. know? Right. And so it just you have the opportunity. And so one of the things that we wanted to kind of talk about, because what gets overlooked and, and Robert and Danny and I have talked about this quite a bit in the last few days is one of the things that gets overlooked when we talk about athletic stuff is just the sheer uh, the outdoors stuff, right? Hunting, camping, hiking, things like that. And we've talked to hikers. We've talked to, to folks who do outdoor stuff, but you lose sight of the fact that aside from the athletic endeavor that's involved, you're connecting with nature as a human being and that has restorative benefits. Yeah. I mean, it's hard. So I'm a Southern boy and I live in Texas now and every hunter I know is pretty much laid back for the most part. I don't know very many people who hunt on a regular basis who are like really uptight. That's true. And it can't be a coincidence. Well, and also, you know, there are direct correlations between living in a city and you know um chronic disease stress levels. yeah and stress levels yeah. like all those things they do they can be quantified and so yeah. you know if you can't get out and and live somewhere like that at, at the very least make an effort to try to get out there a few times a year or find whatever's closest to you that's yeah some sort of nature but at the same time like between of the three of us robert's got the most experience so i want to i want to hear what he has to say about it um with regard to just being out here and disconnecting? Yeah, like, what is your take on, you know, just connecting with nature, shutting everything else off, you know, like, the benefits of it? Like, it's uh, it's therapy for me. Like, I come out here, I don't know, it's kind of changed over the years because when I, I used to come out here, like, every other weekend, you know, when I was not, like, when I was in school or when I didn't have a, the business that I do now. Now that I've got a business, it's harder to, to step away because I'm making that my priority. But when I do step away and come out here, it's like, it resets my creative thinking so that when I do return back to work, I'm able to attack it with more intensity. But it's hard in the moment to justify leaving to come down here because you're so tunnel vision on what has to be done with the business. So, I mean, all three of us are pretty type A personalities, I would think. Yeah. You know, like we're very... Maybe you are. <laughs> very, like, detail-oriented, like, focused on a task, and just, I don't know, very, very type A-like. So I'd be curious to hear y'all's take on... When you come down here and you don't have any internet signal, you don't have any way to can you know stay on top of clients, stay on top of emails, stay on top of anything really. How do you, how do you justify that? How does that mental shift occur in your mind where you can be okay with stepping away from what is the day to day to what could improve the day to day? You want to go first. You want me to go first. You go first. So I find no difference between that and your athletic training. And what I mean is this, like you can't redline your athletic training constantly. You have to take, you have to build rest into it. And even if the rest is just like taking Sundays off or or whatever, you've got to do that because you cannot sustain 
you can't sustain high levels of productivity without having some form of deload. restoration yeah. deload in there. Um, it just it's just not going to happen. Uh, you look at you look at high performers; they all will tell you that you've got to rest. You've got to build some sort of rest in because your body's going to make you do it at some point in time. Yeah. Um, and the last thing you want is to be forced into resting because that usually means you're you're hurt or you're sick, and, and you don't want that. Um, so my take on it is, like, you have to be intentional about stuff, right? So you you look at this and you go, oh, I've got so much to do, but I've got this, you know, four-day weekend thing planned. Instead of looking at it like that, you look at it like, this is a rest that I'm going to take, and I'm going to, I'm going to be in the moment, and I'm going to enjoy it. And therefore, when I get back, I will be in the moment of the work that I have to do. Right. Yeah. So you, you have to be intentional about both sides or prior to like, I know I need to get all of this stuff done before I go and be in the moment and getting those things done. Because the last thing you want to do is be not in the moment prior to. And then when you get here, you're fretting about the stuff you didn't do and the stuff you, you had to do before. And there's no point. Your cortisol levels are shot. You know, like it's just it, it's not restorative at all. So uh, and of course, this is all easier said than done. As far as I'm concerned, you know, but that's that's how I'm trying to view it. Like I know I've got a lot of stuff to do, but I'm trying to take this as, you know, I'm in this moment and I'm doing what I want to do and I'm doing the thing, whatever it is, and I'm just going to to be there because I know the work's going to be there when I get back. Yeah. So you know, why not just enjoy now, and then just hit it, attack when I get back. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think living more future-mindedly, proactively. When you're in work mode zone and then just forcing yourself to live in the moment 100% when you're down here and away from work is, is key. Again, harder, harder to do than, than say, but well, it helps when you it, it helps It helps when you have people who are willing to call you out, too, and say, you know, quit worrying about that crap. Like, you know, yeah. if, you, if you have someone who's saying, can we just enjoy the moment? You know, can we just, like, why don't you be here, you know? Or, you know, why don't you leave? Because you're clearly not here yeah Yeah. it helps to have that i think what about you danny so i feel like i've been the most affected by this seriously because i've been like what i told myself before i got here was i did do the prep work i did talk to my clients i did um finish as much as possible and let everybody know so that i can really disconnect when we got here my phone was in the room the whole time. I was I, I the only reason why I would have wanted to take it was to take some pictures and stuff. But I'm like, you know what, Robert's got all that. But um, as soon as I got here, I completely disconnected, and I told myself that I wasn't even gonna allow myself to try to think about creative stuff. But what ended up happening is that all these new ideas came into my mind. Like I, my mind was just so open to to just. A few different things and it wasn't just new ideas or existing ideas and how they were going to be carried out it was when I get back like you said I'm gonna be able to focus better on them now the only challenge I foresee like when we get back is me dealing with wanting to be back here you yeah. know because I'm like now I got a taste of this and so now I'm like now I got to figure out a way so that I can have peace of mind to schedule things like this because it's not only the it's the disconnecting from the work it's the disconnecting from the training and knowing that you know you live a really healthy lifestyle and you work your butt off and you eat right you know it's okay if you're not 
you know, having protein for a few days. We we fasted for, you know, a day and a half. Um, and it's okay if you're not completely on all the time. But the other thing is being together with you guys, you know, being together with like-minded people that just get it. That's a huge part of it for me. You know, like just being out here with you guys, like I'm a very social person. But then at the same time, I'm... Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like the first day we hunted, um I was I was talking like crazy with Robert, you know? And So and I have to tell you like okay, so I have to, like, <laughs> like I would so as these two guys were together and I was off on my own spot. And I was thinking about this. Yeah. I was like I can imagine like like Watching Robert just get red from here, like continuously, <laughs> as then he's like, and I was just like, and just having Daddy talk, like, but it 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 worked out okay. Yeah, because the second day it was just it wasn't even that he was giving me like anything. I just was like realizing that it's it's okay to just be out here and like just be more present. It just I wasn't aware of how. So that brings awesome up a lot of that brings up a lot of stuff, right? Um, we use we use words to prevent ourselves. Like I was talking before about a double edged sort of of being in solitude, right? Mm-hmm. And the problem is, um, studies have shown that people start to exhibit um, they start to exhibit anxiety in silence in silence up to fifth like as quickly as fifteen minutes of silence. Like people in our Current contemporary oh, that's me society. For sure. That's that's me. I feel like that could be me. They for don't sure. want to. They don't want to be in silence because they don't want to be alone with their thoughts, right? Like they're afraid. Like either they're afraid or they're just uncertain. And like being out here, the more you're out here, the more you realize that it's perfectly safe to be alone yeah. with your thoughts. Just right? let your mind roam. That's yeah. that's. I've never. I mean, even when I meditate, I'm I'm in a dark room, but I know exactly where I am. I'm, right. you know. A few feet away from my my refrigerator and my coffee and my you know right. and my two sons that are asleep in the right. room next door, it's it's a totally different thing. Like you can't simulate that. You have to get out there. And even you said, remember, I think it was yesterday or today, you were like, the only way this can really really happen is if we have no service. You know, because if we do right. have service, we still get texts, we still get phone right. calls, emails still come up, and we tend to just we're you know we're i always say we're like wired to to shift towards automaticity because our brain yeah. doesn't want to so our brain automatically goes to check the email goes right. to check the and that's so danny did a really good job of like when we got here he put his phone away i did not i kept my phone with but me but you now, have employees and i don't well but still but still you know they know i'm here they know you know but that's the true. fact that the fact that i have no cell service the, the fact that i couldn't do anything is really what forced me to be in the moment because when I would wake up um, at four o'clock as as I hear Danny shuffling about um, <laughs> doing my morning routine um, I, I like the first thing I do is grab my phone because that's what I normally would I, I grab my phone what kind of emails came in what you know what do I have to do in the morning and I would grab it and like okay well I don't have any because there's no e- there's no service so I'm like yeah. all right I so literally I've got okay I'll just so I would just sit and chill and meditate as I'm laying down in bed you know it's dark and I'm it, it gives me a chance to just be in the moment, right? Because I didn't have any, I didn't have a, any form of distraction whatsoever. And you'll notice that Robert's been silent this entire time, so he's really practicing it. <laughs> yeah, well, Robert's really good at that. I, I noticed that he just kind of observes, and he's always like just, just learning and from. I, yeah. At first, I was convinced he was trying to plot how to kill us. Like he was just trying <laughs> to figure out what's the best way to get rid of these guys. No, no. For me, it's cool and rewarding to to see people who this is not their norm 
come into it and then just observe city how they react to yeah, it all. That's you know, like it's cool to expose Danny to like shooting a bunch of guns. Yeah, Danny and, likes exposing himself. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I tell you, I tell you, you know, kind of what you were saying earlier about how y'all can justify coming down here and being like a reset. Like for me, it's it's I've come down here before with people that would you know aren't on the same page as me. Maybe they were at one point in my life, but like they'll come down here and they'll drink a whole bunch of beer and just you know have a lot of fun. But it's just like I don't feel like they're necessarily moving my needle closer to my goals in life. Whereas like I come down here with y'all, and we're on the same page. We have similar ambitions and goals. We're all in the keto space. We're all trying to make an empire for ourselves. And then it's like. I'm disconnecting with y'all, but I feel like I'm still moving the needle forward with my business goals and whatnot. And I think yeah. that is that is that makes coming down here much much easier for me. Well, so there's a okay. So when you're in a situation like this, so hunters will know what I'm talking about, right? Like there's there's a lot of downtime, right? There's a lot of like you can you can find things to do. Like we spent a lot of time just driving around doing nothing, which literally. was awesome. Driving around yeah. me on the back of the of the oh mule. my gosh, that was one of so, my favorite things. Um, Robert's got a mule, a uh, little four-wheel, like, all-terrain. Not, not the four-legged horse. No, no. He doesn't have a one mule. <laughs> but he's got, like, a four-wheel, all-terrain vehicle that will apparently take down saplings that are even this big around. <laughs> totally different story. But So Danny's up on top, on the back, riding like he's a chariot, like he's a centurion going into battle. And Robert's doing everything he can to knock him down. Going like From the first day, I was like, I was like, this this is enough. Just me, like, just seeing the way the landscape changes in this whole huge farm, and and just like that was like this is completely in the moment. This and is being the. It's moment. funny because I was thinking to myself, all of the different video shots that could be taken from all the different things that we're doing. Like this could be a, like there were there were like picturesque tree lined dirt oh, road yeah, with man. leaves falling down. Like this would be a great video shot intro for something. You know just. And I'm thinking about all the different creative stuff that's going on, and but again, that's not that's being in the moment because you're you're observing this. You maybe you like I'm trying to think of different. Well, you want to save it for posterity right. too. You want to go right. back to this moment. And but like at the same time, like we we're talking about before with silence, Robert's just driving, you know, and he's not saying anything. Yeah. And but the thing is, it's not awkward, right? Yeah. And no, what, not at all. You know, you're comfortable with someone when you can sit in silence with them. Yeah. Know, right? And that's just the truth. Um, like I was telling these guys last night, like my wife and I can sit in the same room for hours and not talk, and it's not because we're mad. It's not because we're upset. It's just that we're comfortable with each other. And you know, it's not that there's no conversation taking place because when either one of us decides to engage or wants to, you know, say something, it's not met with anything other than you know, for, like more conversation. But being able to sit in silence with another human being is is powerful. It's tremendous, and it mm-hmm. gives you that connection. Um, but it also makes you appreciate the relationships you have. Yeah. You know, like if you go forth and you realize that you can't sit in silence with someone, do you have the relationship that you really think you do? Right. And I'm not saying that you don't. I'm just saying, like, to me, that's a more powerful indicator of of the friendship or, or, or whatever the, of the deeper state of relationship that you've got with someone is being able to be alone with your thoughts and not have that be a problem. Some people are super, super sensitive about that kind of stuff. And those are the ones we threw in the river. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, the, the, the other thing about that is, is um, when you're together with people that get that and understand you and, and you just are really well connected with them, it makes you just be like, I have to get rid of 
anybody who's not this way. Because Literally. I don't have time for my people yeah. that I want to be with. Right. So how, why would I ever want to spend time with these people when they're taking away from my precious time where I could be with these other people? Right. You know? I, I agree. I agree. And, and for me, another thing was being alone even is, is a different thing than sitting in silence with, with Robert or with you. I mean, being alone. I wanted to ask you about that. So like the first two days you hunted... You with me? The first time we talked a lot. Second time I didn't talk near as much. Kind of let you and be I silent. Did it. Yeah. I and didn't, then I didn't either, the yeah. third time you hunted solo. Yeah. By yourself with the gun in the stand, nobody yeah. around. How? What was that like? That was one of the, my favorite things. And this morning too, like yesterday, the main reason I can't hunt in certain areas on this farm is because I'm not good with the with the scope. You know, I'm like with, with that rifle, I'm not that accurate because mm-hmm. I haven't shot it. Yeah. Enough. So yeah, we gave him a shotgun. But, yeah. So so they gave me a shotgun. <laughs> And so I had a shotgun in case I did see something, but I didn't. But, you know, I, I knew that there was going to be a little bit of downtime before things picked up and there would be activity. So I had that first hour where I started listening to um, that Stephen Ronella book that I told you guys about, The Buffalo um, in Search of an, an American Icon. And that was just a great... I'm going to remember this trip and that book because it's kind of like goes hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I, I put it away and then it was like you lose complete track of time, you know, like, and, and I, for me, I'm always blown away when that happens. I told you guys that when I was with Dean alone and we would play for like two or three hours and I would look and I would be like, where the time go? That doesn't happen for me ever. So for me to lose track of time, that's another benefit. That's, that's giving, like, but that's, oh. lo- that's willingly giving up control of something too. Yeah. Right? And yeah. you gotta, you gotta kind of lean into that. You gotta be willing to do that. Yeah. Right? When you get a glimpse of it, I mean, Maybe some people are alarmed. When you're by not it. ruled by the clock, yeah, it yeah. frees things up. You know, yeah. I mean, it, 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 like so. This morning, the only reason we cut the 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 sitting out hunting short is because we had to record this because I've got to go. Um, but if we didn't have to do this, we'd probably still be sitting out there. You yeah, because there's there was literally nothing else to do. Yeah, you know? and there's times when we were yesterday when we were just walking through the woods like we were looking for a. A little swamp area that we really weren't looking for anything. I just Robert was bored. But I I enjoyed that too. I'm I'm just like blown away by the vastness of the woods. And this is why people. This is why Bigfoot can totally (laughs) exist. I'm telling you. We had this conversation multiple times. It's proof. You cannot. You cannot like just this farm and three thousand acres. I get is a lot, but like how much area in the United States alone is either national park or state park right. and you can just walk for well, miles. It, yeah, so the density of the of the of the of the woods here is nowhere close to the density of the Pacific Northwest, you know, northern or you know, south, southwestern Canada versus, you know, Pacific Northwest of the United States. And it's still to me very dense. It's and this is dense, but it's nowhere near as dense as that area and and it's we're talking millions of acres there, right? <sighs> like here we know there are deer. We saw deer run across the road, but we, as we we're trudging through the woods, we saw no deer, right? Yeah. Because it's really hard. I mean, animals are going to be protective. They're they're really skittish. They're going to be hiding. Yeah, you see, you see, you see evidence of you know, you know, the, some of the boar like you know wallowing in the mud, but they are all in their respective places, and they can be they they have you know they're they're out here. This is their turf, so like right. they know. When something's coming from a mile away, they can smell you, they can see you, they can hear you. And so to me, that that's another really cool thing because, again, you probably have some sort of outdoor area around you 
and you wouldn't even know that there's millions of animals around there. Like we saw, I saw a hawk this morning. It was beautiful. You know, possum. Brian saw the white horse. I saw a unicorn. Yeah, <laughs> straight up unicorn. Like the deer, uh, the squirrels. The what was the other thing? Anything else we saw? Like in we saw a squirrel, possum, a unicorn. We saw a rabbit this morning too. You saw a rabbit? As yeah, we coming out. Up. Yeah. Nice. We're going into the tree or coming out? It's going it? into the, the tree. Yeah. Hot. We saw, I saw an egret, and then I saw deer, obviously. We haven't seen any pig yet, but we've seen sign of pig. So, yeah. We saw an alligator. <laughs> alligator. Um, so, you haven't killed your deer yet, but last night, so first of all, let me preface this with like, most people watching this are keto. We eat a lot of meat on keto unless you're vegetarian. But the vast majority of y'all eat a lot of meat. There's a few of you that are eat meat, but then disagree with harvesting meat, which just is a strange oh, connection that's with very me. Strange. I don't understand that. But we have all I'm been hunting. I'm not judging you. Yeah, we've all been hunting. We've all killed something here, even if it's just wasps. But he's gonna kill a deer, <laughs> you know. So what I would assume, I would have to assume that as a ketogenic individual who eats meat, you're okay with hunting. But probably the vast majority of y'all have not harvested your own meat. You know, killed that animal, cleaned that animal, eaten that animal. Then he's going to hopefully be able to experience that tonight. But last night, I killed the deer. And then within an hour of killing that deer, we had it hung up, clean, quartered, and then the tenderloins and backstrap, wrapped in bacon and on the grill, and eating it. So yeah. what was that like? Well, first of all, the I'm so happy to have participated in cleaning it and, you know, taking the pelt off and, and you know, butchering it because... I've wanted to do that forever since I saw Steven Ronella do it. I tell people all the time that's that one episode of Meat Eater where he shows you how to do that, different ways to do it. It's there's a there's a not only a precision and a skill that that you build at doing that, but there's also a connection. And you when you when you make that connection with your food, you start to think about the fact that it's absurd that we go to these stores. And I mean, I'm not I do it all the time. But we go to these stores where your food is is made for you already and you have no connection to it. And that's why it's a little bit odd for me when people say that they're, they're not okay with hunting, but they're okay with eating the meat because, you know, you, you're getting the final product without any of the work and you're saying that it's bad. Well, if you if those people don't do that work, where does your meat go? And this is a very important part of conservation. Like when we bought our, our hunting licenses, our out-of-state hunting licenses, we paid the conservation people. They are the people who are conserving the deer. So they're watching the population. They're making sure it doesn't get too big. It doesn't get too small. And so to me, like, and, and Brian said this too, you know, hunters tend to be the best conservationists. They're the, they are the most in touch with nature. They, they, know, they know what it's really like out there. As well, they also to... don't want to. They don't want to sully the source of the food. Like if yeah. you, if you don't take care of the land, you don't take care of the environment. The the animals are not going to thrive, and you're not going to have anything to hunt anymore. So, <clears throat> it just it just makes sense. That's why the buffalo book is so interesting to me, and it's like this it's this obsession and nostalgia that a lot of people have with like the old west because of the buffalo being one of the main reasons. You know, millions and millions of them. You know that one to three million of them would die a year from drowning because water's like the biggest right. enemy of a buffalo. And 
you wouldn't even be able to tell right because that's 10. only 10% right. of of the the amount that that are that are dying that's 3 to 9% is they they die from from water so that's like an M Night Shyamalan movie <laughs> like you just pour some water on it and they die and it straight up man i mean and so like we've seen what's happened in the past when we don't do this when we we don't appreciate the animal and we don't and the people who appreciate that, I feel like the most, the animal is, is the people who are hunting it. You know, they're, they're, you can't appreciate something if you're not... If you're not willing to kill it. <laughs> and, and to take it one step further, again, I haven't checked my facts on all this stuff, so I'm probably not the best resource. But you look at, you know, the human population size is growing pretty substantially year after year after year. That's removing, you know, pop, or, uh, habitat for these animals. So it becomes even more of our responsibility to help manage the herds that are left because we're the one taking their land in the first place. Oh yeah. So like, to not manage that population herd and then to frown upon those that do, it just is complete ignorance to me, and yeah. I have no, I can't see eye to eye with it. Yeah. I I have no judgment about it whatsoever. You guys do whatever you want. I'm still gonna try to kill deer. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So kill deer, Danny. That's, a, that's the name of an that's like an enemy in a Marvel universe. Kill deer. Yeah, I think it's a, a name of an insect, too. Kill it's a name of an insect, also. <laughs> so, Danny. Yep. You going to kill deer tonight? Yes, sir. How's that going to go for you? Oh, remember, my I'm, I'm posting that quote. It's about perseverance, and it's more than As just... it applies to you tonight? Oh, definitely. Because yep. perseverance is more than just endurance. It's a, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a certainty that what you're going after is going to happen. So... It's gonna happen tonight, you know. And I still and you killed it before, right? Uh, no, I've never killed a deer. Oh, so you haven't killed a deer, man? I wish you really? killed a deer before you left. Oh wow! No, I've shot at numerous ones, but I've never killed one. Man, I wish one, I, I wish you were here. I, I made a mistake because one of them was wearing a, a bulletproof vest, uh, <laughs> and I hit it, but it was like haha, and it took off. But other than that, no. So I've never actually killed a deer. I've I've killed a bobcat. It's not the same thing. Killed a bunch of squirrels this weekend. I killed some squirrels. Yeah, he did. So, so to be honest with you, this is a normal hunting trip for me because I normally don't see any deer, which is why I've not had an opportunity to kill them. Mm. And the ones that I did see were way too far away for me to be yeah. able to, to hit. Um, but I shot at them anyway, just on the off chance that they would get scared and die of a heart attack. You know, it, happens. <laughs> it happens. It happened to my grandpa. So yeah, it must be I'm true kidding. I don't actually know my grandpa. So, so what? Um, what words of wisdom can we impart upon the audience, apart from what we already have, with regard to... Well, I don't know about wisdom. Wisdom? We can part words. We can part words. So what What? Um, what are we going to do going forward? I think we need to have like an annual trip at least. Dude, <laughs> listen. You know? Yeah. At least. To me, like, you, te- <laughs> like you tell me see. when... The look in Danny's eye right now, he's looking at, at Robert like... Don't play with me. Yeah, like you better not be saying annual trip and not. Just mean know it. that whenever you invite me out here, I'm coming out here, man. I this place is amazing. I'll have to check my calendar. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> well, I mean, this is a pretty good haul for you. You had to fly in Little Rock. Yeah. That's not too bad of a flight though. It's like what two hours? Well, I had to fly to Charlotte and then to Little Rock. Um, so the whole trip for me on Wednesday was um, two o seven p.m. and I got here at seven fourteen. So eight fourteen my time. So about six hours, but still not not too bad. Do you does can you fly into Austin from uh, from Tampa directly? I'm sure I can. And then you all both just rendezvous just up saying, here. Yeah, I mean, that's I a longer that trip for you though. That doesn't make sense. Never mind. Never mind. Yeah, because then that would be I, nine so hours. So I I drove and it takes about six hours to get here. Um, 
So I mean, it's a, it's a and it's a pretty easy trip depending on the time of day. Going through Dallas during rush hour does not sound appealing to me. I feel like it would be worthwhile to have like at least an annual trip where we reconvene here, get out of our norm, talk about the year's productivity thus far, what we're going to do going forward, and just disconnect from day to day. Yeah. Okay. You know, I think that makes sense. I, I want to talk about the fact that um, the so last night Danny and I were talking about Marvel movies oh, and yeah. DC movies, and I felt bad because. Robert doesn't own a television <laughs> and doesn't watch Netflix or anything. So he was just like not able to participate in the conversation. And I felt bad because it was like, oh, he's working all the time. And yet Danny and I are finding time to like goof off to watch yeah. stuff. So I was practicing the whole silence thing well, last I, night, you know. But I, I, felt, I felt unproductive. As I, like, I totally did too. As, as we're like, discussing this, I'm like, what wow. have I been doing with my life? Yeah, I'm like, I've watched way too much stuff. And Robert's like, I have no idea what any of that is. And like, that's it. So I just, I just want to say thanks for making and me feel. The best sad. part about it too is that Robert's like, okay, if you had to recommend one, out of all of those, like basically, right. okay, fine, I'll watch one. But if you had to recommend one, which would it be? I'll watch one next year. Yeah, um, before I'll... our next annual. Did we end here. up at? Did we end up at Thor Ragnarok? For no, him? we did. We did not. Well, you wanted. You, you wanted Dark Knight. Uh, no, no. But he uh, saw well, Dark Knight. So okay, he asked one Marvel, one Avengers movie. Oh yeah, you picked. You picked Civil War. Yes. Yeah. For me, it'd be Captain America: Civil War. But the problem is, you got to watch previous stuff to really understand it. Yeah. And you picked Thor Ragnarok, which is kind it's, of a standalone. It can stand on its own. Yeah. Just uh, because it, I feel like that's a turning point in the writing style. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so. yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a, it was it was the most comedic of them. It's definitely funny. Korg is my favorite character in that movie. Um, He's great. You, Guardians of the Galaxy would be another good one that can stand on its own and, and just... The first one? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'll say that my takeaway is that um, I don't want this to only be geared towards guys, but I can only understand men because I'm a man. I would say that, you know, you need to find uh, a small, essential tribe of, of brothers that you can be with and trust people that you know that you can just be completely open with and find a place where you can put yourself in a position to be completely open and disconnect. And then I'm sure this applies for women as well, um, but I don't know what that would look like. I don't exactly think it would be in the outdoors, although I do think women would totally benefit from it. It's a different... Well, a connection with nature is connection with nature, and I think it's a human... It's, it's sort of a, a human draw, regardless. Mm-hmm. But it, it would be played out differently. Even though I will say that um, when I was in Wisconsin um, a few years ago, no, that's not to say that there's not a lot of women hunters and like all that, because there are. There oh totally yeah, are. well that's so, what I was saying. I, I was a few years ago. I was in Wisconsin training, uh, like some surgical training that I was doing, and there, and it was, um, it was right around like late October, and Black Friday was coming up, and all the nurses that were there, we're talking about Northern Wisconsin. Um, a lot of them have, you know, a, a house in the upper peninsula somewhere and they were all excited about Black Friday and it wasn't because of the shopping. It was because right. they were going to go hunting and that's, fishing on Black Friday. Right, that's the hunting season. Yeah. You know, like right. that to me is like, that's awesome. <clears throat> right. Yeah. And that's just, indica- I mean, to me, that's just clear indication of like a natural calling to nature. Yeah. You know, when you grow up in an urban environment that gets, that gets squashed a bit. Well, it's, it's kind of like you look back at human civilization before, you know, current modern day and age where everything's handed to us basically on a silver platter. Yep. And, like, this wasn't optional. Like, you 
fished, you hunted to. to survive. And, you know, in that same time, like, there, there was battles, there was wars, like, you know, different different groups were going against each other for life. And we have that nowadays to an extent, but it doesn't touch most people's life, you know? Yeah. Most people can sit at home, turn on their TV show. I mean, you can order your food from a button now. I mean, yeah. it's just crazy. So, like, you are so disconnected from point A to point B of how things are actually done. Whereas with, out here, it's like you have to make a fire to be warm. You have to kill your food to eat. I mean, it's like you have, you're forced into that reality of what is actual. So, you know, in the day and age we're in, we have to like self-impose these hardships or we just go without these hardships. That's why I train. That's why I like do bodybuilding shows because it forces me to go into that hardship. And like being out here is the same thing in a different light. Like that primitive, just this is what you have to do to make this work and be comfortable. And I think anybody can benefit from that. We did we we did say that we did we did mention that we weren't um, the stipulation. Yeah, I think you mentioned it about we weren't going to eat unless we killed something. Yeah. And so when Brian killed the first squirrel, we got to eat like some squirrel legs. Yeah. And then we we were able to break out the because Robert brought some keto bricks um, so that we could keep our ratios. Yeah, one of our fat ratios good because the deer and the squirrel are super lean, so we couldn't eat the keto brick until was we super ate lean. something like, else. We were both like just. Just yeah. biting it. It tasted really good, though. But, yeah. Um, and so that's another thing when you when you start to think about that, you know, I I'm with you guys who are more experienced, and so I I'm benefiting from your experience. But even so, you know, being out here now, I'm like I can totally live in a place like this, and like Brian was saying this morning, I told him I I could see myself living off of venison and 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 keto bricks. You know, like mm-hmm. just. You have the shelter, which is the cabin. It's perfect. It works great. Running water, electricity. And you have your food out there. And you basically, you know, you harvest a deer. I mean, you're good for like a month maybe. And if you're hunting like a few days a week, you're, you're straight up, you're you're good. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's fish. We can go fishing. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> we could have gone fishing. I was about to fish. Yeah. <laughs> we were literally probably as close as you can get to fishing. And then... Something happened. Brian got sniped by a tree branch, by a, by a root. root. We were we were launching. So hold on, I want to I want to I want to make sure we set this this <laughs> this up correctly. So we go into the forest or the, into the woods about for about three hours. So we're driving the mule. We're pulling a boat, uh, an aluminum boat, for about three hours. It seems like, and we get to this just cliff, and it's just like straight up ninety degree well, face cliff. <laughs> Robert stops the mule. And is like, yep, this is the this is the launch point for the boat. I'm like, do you what? Like you, there's how is this the launch point? He goes, we'll we'll figure it out. So we'll play it by ear. Yeah, play it by ear. <laughs> oh, that's joke. Great. Anyway, so get the boat off the trailer, and it's not too heavy, but it's literally just going down this incline. That's like eighty degrees, just almost straight down. Danny's under like. At the at the the bow of the boat, making sure it doesn't just slide into the dirt and get ripped in half, or whatever. So I'm trying to hold the boat to keep it from like just falling on him. And as I'm sliding down, a root got uncovered, and it snagged my foot, and I couldn't pick my foot up because all my weight was on it. So it ended up pushing me over. So I didn't want to like slam into the boat. So I tried to jump over it. I jumped over it. Somehow we managed to. Or I managed to hit the uh, the, fish, the one fishing pole that we had, and snapped it in half as I was trying to not die, and 
that was basically our fishing trip. Like where you, I was, they were gonna, they, you guys were gonna go hunting the squirrel, and I was gonna go fish, um, and and we were gonna come. So I ruined later. it. Basically, I I ruined it. And Robert hasn't really talked to me since then, because <laughs> apparently I was his lucky fishing pole. I thought it was okay. I thought it was okay because I thought it was just like somehow it unhooked because it was like like maybe, a tent pole thing. Yeah, that it, that it would just snap back together. But no, it was snapped in half. Yeah, it's it's still snapped in half. We, I, so at that point, we should just like cut down a piece of bamboo and just like. I was so gonna do way. that. I was like looking for a piece of wood that we could just. I put was a seriously reel on. considering like just using the bottom half with with the. Uh, yeah. <laughs> with the reel I, I should have at least tried to see like how i could cast with that but whatever yeah so basically the fish are the fish are alive today because of a tree root but i thought it was i still thought it was i, I wouldn't have experienced like i felt like we were like like gangsters like doing like drive-bys like we would see the squirrels and we would like, and pull up and i'm like do, 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 do. So, so, all right, that's so, not how we typically hunt squirrel also, by the way the best part right like that I've never hunted squirrel like that, right? <laughs> so, so Robert says like we're we're going out to this boat launch, right? And just out of nowhere, Robert's like squirrel <laughs> puts on the brake to this thing. Is like we're all jumping out like 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 tactical team, <laughs> guns are blazing into the into. Vanny's the- got the shotgun while he's riding on top of the mule, looking over the hood of. <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I can't tell you how many times I thought, I promise you, it had to be at least five or six times where I was like, if we were in a post-apocalyptic world and this is what we would do, we would go hunt and be quick with it and then get back home right. and make sure that we, we're back zombies. in safety. Because zombies. zombies, of course. Right. It was always zombies <laughs> so, in mind. So we're going along and we do this about five or six times. This is both pre and post boat incident. <laughs> And, and Robert turns to me as we're driving, and he's kind of like laughing to himself because this is the most redneck squirrel hunt I've ever been on. And that's saying something because he grew up in Arkansas. So, yeah, it's so, not how it typically goes squirrel hunting. Like, but it worked. We got so some squirrels. That's what I was like. I was hoping this was not normal. Like, this is, just seems very strange to me. But we got two squirrels, you know. Yeah. And yeah. we ended up trudging through a bunch of swamps, too, um, yeah. during the day. And we didn't, at the end of the day, we, we didn't even notice. So we had walked like. Four and a half miles. Or this okay. Of all the things that we've done, this is the most controversial thing that's happened to this point. I'll give you. A, I'll give you just like the the Reader's Digest version of the conversation. Danny's got. Um, uh, is it an Apple Watch? It's um. Or is it a, a Garmin? Fitbit? Garmin. Okay. Yeah, it's a Garmin. So it's a Garmin thing that, that monitors his steps and tells him how far he's gone. And he says at the end of the day yesterday, we walked five point four miles today. And immediately, Robert's like, No, we didn't. We did not. There's no way we did. It almost came to fisticuffs. That's how. That's how. Like. That's how bad it was. I mean, it could have been. You Robert know. insisted it was five point one, and there's not a single bit more. And then he's like, "I'm telling you, it's five point four. And that, like, we. Ne- I my suggestion because I'm always the peacemaker. Let's let's meet in the middle, and it's five point two five. Let's just call it that. And they were like, "No, it's gonna be this." So it is kind of crazy. Like you think, like tying this all back into athleticism. Oh, you know. Okay. Yeah, let's do that. If you were living out here long term. And like the stuff you'd have to do in order to just make ends meet, survive, and have food on the table. I mean, you'd be pretty physically fit. You'd have oh, to be pretty physically sure. fit. You yeah. know, we'd be splitting firewood, we'd be hunting, we'd be tracking deer through the woods. And a country mile is not oh. the same as a, a mile across the track. You know. Yeah, it's it's you know rugged terrain, and um, we we just we didn't even talk about the first night when we thought we were gonna eat that first night. Oh, yeah. You right, shot that that doe. Robert. Yeah. Shot a deer. 
And then he made a veteran mistake. Not even a real. Oh wait, mistake. you you said ahead of time the worst thing that could happen <laughs> is sure. if we shoot something right before the sun goes down, and then we're tracking it at night. Right, we got to find it at night. And that happened, and mm-hmm. that's exactly what happened. So, like, not I don't mean to, don't tell Robert I said this, but I, you know, not to call him out or anything, but uh, he made a veteran mistake because he was he got overconfident, right? Because he's killed what seven thousand deer. I've killed quite a few deer, yeah. for sure. <laughs> so. Boom, kills the deer, or shoots the deer, rather. I hear it go down, it's like... Yeah, we're, he's hunting with me. The deer goes down, belly up, white belly. I look back in the, the scope, scope back on it, yeah. still laying there, the ground, right? no movement. I'm like, okay, that's one, let's look for the next one. And so two I put seconds another... later, Brian, well, well it, was, yeah. it wasn't that much right. after when Brian came with the mule back, mm-hmm. and we're like, let's go get it. Right, so mm-hmm. I come back with the mule, because I hear the gunshot, it's toward the end of the day, I'm like, all right, well, we got a deer, right? We thought we were all going to eat. Right. So I come, I take the mule and I drive over. We get, They get down off the tree and we go looking for the deer. And the sun is slow, is quickly, you know, going down past the horizon. We can't find blood. We can't find the deer. And we never found it. Like we, the following day, we found, we found some blood, blood trail. But it literally went cold. Like it, it just stopped in the middle yeah. of the field. So Yeah, that was crazy. So one of two things. One of three things. This is my hypothesis, one of three things. And I don't know which one I think is, is the right one, but it's either a bear came out and got it while they weren't looking. Bigfoot came out and got <laughs> you know it. That's, my, that's what I'm going or with. Or it's aliens. And I don't think aliens exist, so I'm going to go with uh, the Bigfoot thing. Big, must be. Must it, be. Because, but the like, blood trail ran cold. Like It stopped. Like, like we, found, we found... In the daylight the next morning. Yeah, so and I'm, a lot of people will listen to this podcast, will watch this YouTube video, and automatically just hate me because I didn't get a good shot on a deer and the deer's suffering and I've wasted all no, this no, meat. No, no, trust me. We, we tried our but hardest, But we, we tried our hardest. And this is just like a reality of hunting. Like sometimes you hunt, sometimes you lose. You know, that's just how it works. And you feel bad about it. You know, like I respect the animal as much as anybody. But inevitably, if, if you hunt long enough, you're going to miss your your game at some point. And it's unfortunate, but it happens. You we, know? Put out a, we put out a hit. On, on the deer to make sure that anyone who like any of the other deer who meet it like will end it you know to to follow up what we couldn't do and we're gonna you know. kill those deer too just yeah just well they, when they no come to collect the reward ends. they don't know this when they come to collect the reward they're goners too so yeah. <laughs> I do have two more tags to fill and you've got two tags to fill and you've got two tags to fill but you're about to leave so unless you see one on the way out you I'll know. hit it in my truck <laughs> <laughs> yeah It'll be good. It'll be good. Using a using a Dodge or a Ram truck is probably the best bet for me in terms of hunting a deer. It's going to be the... Then you can just ram the deer. Yeah, boom. Just, okay, let's get it now. There you go. There you go. Um, Man, just being out here, just, just, it's just, you know, every time I came out, like whether it was like at night to get something from the van or, or anything, you just see how alive this place is. You know, the, the wind's always rustling, the trees are always cracking, there's always activity going on and you just you just realize that it doesn't care about you and it's not going to care about you after you die for it's thousands funny that of you years. say that because like in the book that, the stranger in the woods book that i'm reading one of the things that they talk about is every almost every example of someone who's experienced self-imposed long-term solitude says the same exact thing wow. says that um after a point you you realize that it's not that you're insignificant, it's that you're just part of something bigger. Yeah. And you're not like you don't consider yourself 
there's no longer a psychological I. It's just like now I'm just part of nature. Or now I think that's very beneficial. It's, it's it's pretty impressive. You know, kind of like take this one step for, further, and like not in a morbid way, hopefully, but like we were talking about the beginnings of this farm, and a lot of these fields here was was cleared by people way back in the day, and there's a graveyard of some of these people in the in the woods way out there. There's no there's no tombstone. There's no marking. These people are dead. They're buried there hundreds of years ago, and nature just grown up into them and around them. And Marcus Aurelius talks about that. Like, you know, people who want to, they want to be important and they want to be, you know, significant for some reason. And they they die just like the rest of us and they decompose just like the rest of us. doesn't matter if it's Alexander the Great or a peasant, you know, they... We're all going to go back to the same place. And it makes life seem more simpler yeah. and like in a good way almost. Like yeah. it's, it's like it is what it is. You make the most of it, then you're dead, and that's it, you know? Yeah. This is what I say. We're all going to die. Yeah. So, I mean, what does it matter? Like you could be Alexander the Great or Alexander the meh. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. We're all going to end up in the same place. I think it, it, it definitely helps clean your motivations up a little bit and, and, and see ways that you can... Um, Instead of focusing on petty things, yeah. Well, here's I, the big test, right? Is what happens when you get back, when you get back to your regular life on Wednesday, like what happens after you've been back in your regular life for a couple of days, like, do you stay with this idea of like what you've experienced out here, or do you allow life there, you know, in in business life mm-hmm. to get sweep you back into I think yeah. that, that's why I feel like you need to you need to plan these things out so that you have you to can, refresh your mind. Yeah, you know that's why you have to do this stuff on a recurring basis. Like nothing is good once and done. You have to kind of constantly be reminded of it. I think you know. Oh, yeah. that's yeah. That's another thing that uh, we were talking about because uh, I don't hunt as frequently as Robert, so I'm not good at it as good at it as Robert is. And uh, Danny was talking about the fact that he you know this is kind of his first time ever. And he felt kind of bad for not having the experience. And there's a, do you, you guys, you won't know this, but Adventure Time. The, the oh, yeah. Um, it's a funny show. One, yeah, it's a great show. One of the things that, that, I, that really rese- resonated with me is there's a saying that they say is, um, uh, is sucking at something is the first step to being good at something. Oh, yeah. You know? So you have to go through that uh, in order to be able to, to be proficient, to be good at it. Um, and if you, if you realize that you're terrible at something, and you want to be not terrible at it, you then make a plan to get better at it. You know, yeah. if you if you hit the gym for the first time and you can't lift a lot of weight or you you know, you don't like the way you look, make a plan to improve it and then give yourself the time, space, and discipline that it needs to, to do it. If you want to be a better hunter, you've got to get better with your utensils, with your tools, right? So you've got to plan. You don't have to you don't necessarily have to spend a tremendous amount of money going to places to hunt, but you can certainly practice shooting your gun to get better at longer distance targets, that kind of thing. So there's all kinds of ways that you can improve. It's just a matter of whether you want to or not. And I think Jordan Peterson talks about, it's a, some quote of his, he says that every hero must start as a buffoon or something. Yeah. And it's not only the fact that it's a, it's, it's a reality of life, but it's also, it's, you have to realize that you're a buffoon and not think that you know more than you know right you have to be open right. to the learning experience in anything that you do and you, I, I think i would take it one step further you, you have to realize that you're a buffoon right now yeah that you're not if you if you decide to not be that 
moving forward. That's powerful. Right. Yeah. You know, you it have the control. Or yeah. whatever. I mean, we're all going to die. So what does it matter? <laughs> it is funny. Like, I, I was just raised in this kind of, you know, lifestyle. Like, I was just, I've always had, you know, this farm. And I've always hunted. I've always, you know, worked on the farm. So it's funny that some of the things that I take for granted that I just know how to do. And I don't even think to, like, teach. Like, the other day we were shooting cans or something. Oh, my gosh, dude. Yeah, think and, about that. How crazy that and is that I never knew that. Danny was shooting right with a twenty-two, He was shooting the twenty-two, and he was shooting right of the target. The groupings was good, but it was always hitting right. And I'm like, okay, why is he hitting right? And it's because he was only looking at the front side. He wasn't lining up the front side with the mid side, and his cheek wasn't on the, the stock of the gun. Like, nothing was lined up. So I'm like, okay, do this, do this, do this. And, like, then he nailed it first yeah. time, you know? <laughs> that was just, so, like, just a lack of familiarity. And people, I've, I've experienced that, too, when people say, you know, like, what we do with our family, you know, how we just take things for granted because we've done them for so long. People are like, that's not normal, you know? Like, you take it for granted, but those little idiosynchronicities that you do that, that are part of your routine, that's where the magic is. That's, that's where the value is. I would, I mean, I, I'm viewing it. It's even more than that is if you're willing as a as an individual who is uh, wanting to I don't want to say improve but but uh, expand their their skill sets right no matter what it is if you're willing to to get go through the, the pain so for example like Danny um, shooting a gun, not a lot of experience, but is willing to get out there and shoot and miss and have someone tell him and then fix it and do it again and then get better at it, right? So I bought a motorcycle. I'm, you know, I've never owned a motorcycle before and it's scary as all get out when you first ride a motorcycle, but I'm like, I'm going to do this, right? So it's that being willing to put yourself in an uncomfortable position, possibly dangerous position. That's a, that's, a, that's actually a, uh, the dangerous part I think is a, is like very important. You know, like like when I'm when I was out there with you guys on the back of that mule, like I didn't even tell you I got I got hit in the ribs once, I got hit in the eye once, and like there that danger component. You love it. Yeah, you love it. You love that there's <laughs> there's danger to it. Like that's you know, obviously it's it's a hormonal thing. Like we, we get the you know, we get the adrenaline rush and everything, but I think that's important. Well know? yes, and, and it's important because it's a it's significant in that you have to be willing to endure all of all of those discomforts in order to grow. Um, but I mean, it's not just necessarily physical pain, right? Like that adrenaline rush is something that you can you you're gonna. It's a character building thing, right? Like so, it's not that that you're seeking the adrenaline rush. It's that you're willing to put yourself through discomfort to prove to yourself that you can endure and get through things. I mean, it's just like lifting heavy like you won't find a single person who says that lifting heavy is easy that's literally why it's called lifting heavy it's yeah. it's painful i was talking to the guy who owns the gym that i just started going to and he was well i wasn't talking i was listening to him have a conversation with one of his his um his clients and he was talking about um bench pressing a really heavy weight and he was explaining and describing the sensation of like the feeling of feeling like your muscles are going to rip off the bone, you know, like having it compress your chest and then like all that stuff. And his, his statement was, you know, I don't want to do that anymore. Like he, in his youth, that was, a, you know, he was okay with it. But 
because he's experienced it, because he's gone through it, and he did it for years and years and years, he doesn't have to anymore. I mean, he knows he could if he had, if he had to, yeah. right? But he's, he can now choose not to do it. So, it, it, you know, in dealing with all these different things, these new experiences, it makes you stronger, not just physically, but you know, emotionally, character-wise. It makes you be able to endure. So I wanted to talk about, I think that's the last thing that we wanted to talk about, because I don't know how we're... I don't know if you're good on time or not. Yeah, yeah, no. I, I was, yeah, go ahead. I was going to follow up with what you were about to say. Go ahead. I'll, I'll, I'll remember my thing. And, and just kind of to, to hinge off of that, talking about doing things outside your comfort zone, I'm actually listening to a book right now. They're talking about people with the growth mindset versus people with like just this inherited, like this is what Scarcity. their maximum capability is, you know, at yeah. birth. Like they're, this is their, their destiny at birth. They can't break through to another, another level of enlightenment or anything. It's just, that's just what they feel like they have, and that's just who they What's are. What's the name of the book? Mindset. Oh, is it the Carol Dweck one? Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. I haven't read that yet, and I've been told about that for years. So I like yeah. the name Dweck. Dweck. It's a good name. <laughs> but there are people out there that, like, if they don't know how to shoot a gun, they just assume that they'll never be able to shoot a gun. They don't think that they can learn to do things. That Like, the learned behaviors is obsolete to them. But when you have this mentality of, okay, I suck at this, I'm going to be okay with sucking at it. I'm going to laugh at myself and my own mistakes before anybody else does. That's, yeah. That way nobody else, I mean, what power do they hold, hold over me? Then you just learn, you get better, and you have fun with it. Then you, like, can literally accomplish anything in life. And the more you do it, and it doesn't matter what, what you do it in, like, what field, what, what sport, what business, it transfers to everything else. And yeah. you start to build that confidence. Like, when you first do that hard workout that it's like a burner to your lungs, you feel like, holy crap, I might die at the gym, you know, like, like my heart mm-hmm. might explode at the right. gym. And then you start to like, just slowly just, maybe I didn't die. And I'm going to push myself a little bit further. And then you go a little bit further and a little bit further. And that's, there's so much growth in that, man. There's well, and so what I was going to what I was going to add to my own comment, because I'm really smart, um, <laughs> is um, that it's, it, there's a more subtle aspect to it too. Let me, and what I mean is this, um, so when you spend three days and the only people that you're around are your friends, but you've never spent expended, extended periods of time with them, right? So yeah. there's a risk there too, yeah, you know, because you'll see people walking through the house dressed in only a towel, right? <laughs> or, which hey, is, by the way, I look really good in just a towel, you He really does. Yeah. He really does. I do not. All right, anyways, back to just so, me in a towel. So right, <laughs> back to me in a towel. Everyone's like... Pictures or it didn't happen. Right? <laughs> um, so anyway, my, my point is you've got to be willing to put yourself in that kind of discomfort too. Like, So I've got a lot of quirks, right? But I've got to be willing to be okay with those quirks to be like – and I've got to trust these guys aren't going to be like, um, I don't like you anymore. That's such a good point. Of all your quirks. Like we were out um, eat, like eating, right? And they were like, we just cooked all this food, eat. And I was like, I don't like hot food. And they were like – what? At first, I laughed at it. I thought it was right. just a joke. Right? No, I was like, I don't, I don't like eating hot food. I like for my food to be cold, like warm room temperature. I don't, I just don't like eating hot food. And this comes from a couple of different things, but um, mostly psychological trauma from my childhood. Um, <laughs> but, but the thing is, I'm willing to be like, yeah, I don't like it, and no, and trust that these guys are going to be like, okay, that's just a thing. Yeah. You know, not like I can't hang out with you anymore. Well, that's um, that's that's what makes us all like, and that's why like it's so important to be authentic and to be you know, your, your authentic self, because the world needs you just as you are. And to be someone else that you're not, obviously it messes you up, but it's like, it makes the world such a bland vanilla place. Yeah. Cause know? every, if everyone's trying to pretend that there's someone that they're not, there is no real person, you know? Yeah. Like, so 
But so what I'm saying is it's it's more than just like embracing the danger. You've got to be able to put yourself in a situation where you're willing to risk, you know, ex- exposing yourself. Not <laughs> the way these guys did. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, expo- sort of like this is how I am. Like, because I just, I don't care about people's opinions. It doesn't matter. So like, I would like be like, all right, I'm going to bed. And I would like come in and they're like, oh, so you're really going to bed? Like, yeah, I'm going to bed. And like, they were like, cool. You yeah. know, that, and you got to trust that the your peers, your friends are going to be like, okay with it. Especially the first time. There's always that weird, like, yeah. do I do this or do I pretend like I don't? Like, you know. Yeah. Um, no, no judgment down here. Oh, but right. you know what I will say that I like, and we talked about this when, you know, before we were recording uh, at some point this weekend, we talked about the fact that when you're around, I think it might have just been you and me, but we might have revisited it when we were all by the fire, is that when you are around people who are, you know, leaders such as yourself, like yourself, and I consider myself a leader and the same thing with you guys. So when you're around people like that, when things get hard, you're, you're, of course, you want, you have your own inherent work ethic and, and grit and stuff, but then when there's people around you, when things get hard, you embrace it more knowing that they're going through it just like you and they like, let's, let's hold out. Let's, let's work a little bit harder. Let's push a little bit harder. Yeah. And I think given your history, like, cause you played football throughout high school, yeah. you know, in college. And that's a, I thought about this, like, cause so you, you were forced to be intimate around oh the locker room was i mean i i I don't want to say this without sounding like you know i I love being with the boys but you know like that was a lot of like no no but that's exactly it right because you have no you're literally stripped yeah yeah yeah. and you just have no choice but to be honest because you get a bunch of guys around they're going to call you out if you're not you know they're they're going to you know identify that sort of thing so i mean that's that kind of stuff is tremendously important um, a lot of people are uncomfortable with it, though. You know? Oh yeah, it's. I mean, you end up if you. I mean, if you do cover up like in that situation, you end up drawing more attention to yeah. yourself because, right. like, you know, hey, we're all here the same as you. You right. understand? Like, all of our butts are hanging out in the yeah. wind right now. Yeah, so. exactly. Man, this podcast got weird. <laughs> <laughs> as weird as never mind. <laughs> I feel like we should conclude this with right, gunshots before we do. Because it, before it gets too weird, <laughs> but we need we need to conclude with gunshots. Yeah, oh, I like that inside the house. No, oh, I thought we just walk out the back porch, shoot the river, shoot uh, the river. I'm Danny, all about that. You got the pistol? Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's do this. Let's go. And then just hold this like a video camera, almost. Yeah. And so we're about to see the river. We're about to kill the river. So there we go. This is this is the river that we're talking about. Never got to do at the at the range. They shoot a lot of shots in succession. They did, man. All right. So you guys, on safety. Danny's gonna kill the river. I just keep shooting. The clip came out. Sorry, River. Well, I would like to point out that he did, in fact, hit the river every single time. (laughs) Pew, 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 pew. (laughs) You just never get to do that at the range. No? All right, so we're 
going back in now. Oh, the door got closed. So we just shot the river. Killed the river. Danny killed the river. River is officially dead. So this podcast can officially be over. Right, because, I mean, <laughs> the life of the river, that's that's what the, the delineation is. So what's what's the parting shots or final words of our little excursion? Um, Robert, you go first. Well, it's a pleasure and an honor to be able to bring people whom I respect and admire to this place and of me. my paradise. And me. And, like, allow them to become more innately just one with their surroundings. Wow, that's, that's deep. deep. That's deep. <laughs> Danny, you, I'm gonna, you got to go next because I can't go. Get, I can't go after that. You know, I, I'm gonna echo it the same thing, but coming from my side, you know, I've been so grateful, man. I told you a million times this weekend. I'm grateful for you bringing me out here, bringing both of us out here. Um, I knew that I was like, when I got here, before we got here, actually, you told me, "What do you expect to get out of this?" You mm-hmm. know. And um, and I, I expected to connect better with nature. I expected to hopefully, you know, kill my first animal and eat it, you know. Um, I'll hopefully do that later. But in reality, it's just I'm just grateful for this opportunity, man, because I'm leaving a changed person. So thank you, man. You bet, man. Uh, I don't have nearly anything as deep as that. <laughs> I mean, it was fun and all, but you guys are weird. <laughs> we, we uh, are weird. No, so my, my takeaway is along similar lines is we're all going to die one day. It, but what makes it significant is not when or how it's, what are you going to do today to make that day matter? Yeah. Right. So every day do something that makes the, the fact that you're gonna, at some point in time, end up in the ground, make it matter. You know, whatever it is, be in the moment, just make it matter. I love it. I love it. All right. So there you go. We're done. Everybody knows where to find everybody. Uh, Keto Savage. That's at Keto Savage all over the place. Keto Counterculture. That's Danny all over the place. I'm the Brian Williamson. Also Keto Evangelist. Whatever. Boom. Um, what else did we miss? Did we miss anything? Nope. Danny and I are about to go get on a deer stand, kill a deer. Brian, about you're about to, to go hit the road. I'm about to drive home listening to audiobooks on the way home. So well, there we go. Until next time, gents. Peace. Peace. Peace.